Yes, here we go. It's time to get pumped up for the 2017 NFL season. A lot to talk about in this episode. The Chiefs season schedule is out. Hey, they're opening up the NFL season. They'll be visiting the New England Patriots and a total of six primetime games. That's the most out of any team in the NFL for 2017. So the Chiefs will be on primetime. For all of those Chiefs fans over the years who have cried and complained about the lack of primetime games, well, there you have it. And look, there have been reasons for the NFL to not give the Chiefs primetime games, but now they got it. This is also going to be our draft preview edition of the Chiefs on podcast. We talked a lot about the draft last week. I'll give you guys my final prediction and what I think the Chiefs will do in the draft. We had Matt Miller on last episode, last week, so be sure you do check that out if you have not listened to it yet, our most recent episode uh, before this one. So be sure you check it out with uh, Matt Miller of BleacherReport.com. Great insight from him. Always love talking to Matt Miller. I'm Farzim Masugi and appreciate you guys downloading and listening to this episode of the Chiefs Zone Podcast. If you guys already have, no need to do this, but for those of you who are new, first of all, welcome in to the bandwagon. But also, be sure you hit the subscribe button on iTunes, and you guys can also listen to this podcast on Google Play, and it's also available on my website, FarzineVesugian.com, and you guys can interact with me on social media, Facebook.com slash FarzineVesugian, and give me a follow on Twitter, at Farzine21. If you guys can share the episodes on your social media, let your friends know about it, always and greatly appreciated when you guys do so. A lot of things to talk about in this episode, and uh, I'll get into it in, in order. Uh, real quickly, we'll talk touch, touch on the Cairo Santos uh, signing. He has re-signed. He uh, touched on his RFA tender, so as a restricted free agent, decided to sign the tender, which is worth $1.8 million, so he will remain in Kansas City. And I've got to say, I, I'm pretty happy about this one the most because... Cairo Santos is a guy that I think three years ago, many of us wondered why Why did the Chiefs bring him in for competition against Ryan Suckup? And uh, when the Chiefs cut Suckup for Santos, a lot of the, us at the time wondered if this was a good move, especially early on when Suckup signed with the Titans and the Chiefs and Titans played head-to-head in 2014 to start the season, and Suckup actually outplayed Cairo Santos. And as a matter of fact... Dexter McCluster was also in that game for the Titans as well and outplayed Jamal Charles in that one. So uh, it kind of made you scratch your head a little bit, making Chiefs fans wonder, is the team making uh, the right move, the right decisions with all the players that they've parted ways with? And at the time, Cairo Santos, it was hard to get behind him. I think the most frustrating moment for for him uh, as Chiefs fans, it was in week two of the 2014 season, the Chiefs, opened up the second half with the football and they went on a 10-minute drive to start the half only for Santos to miss. And if I'm not mistaken, I believe he hit one of the uprights for the miss. And again, the 10-minute drive, wasted possession, no points on the scoreboard. And he was able to bounce back after that. If I'm not mistaken, he did go on a long consecutive streak of field goals made before missing his next one. So, Cairo Santos, he got off to a sloppy start, two of four field goals to start his NFL career in starting with the Chiefs. In fact, Santos, the past two years, has been 
in the top 10 in the NFL in terms of field goals made. Field goal percentage uh, in 2015 had an 81%, not a very good rate. Uh, it was 31st in the NFL. But this past year, 2016, he had an 89% success rate in making field goals, and that is in the top 10 in the NFL. He's been in the top 10 the past two years in total field goals made. So the Chiefs have one of the better kickers in the National Football League. You could at the very least say he's a top 10 kicker, which look, uh, there are a couple of top-notch great kickers, and then there are some very good kickers out there. And the Chiefs have one of the very good kickers in the National Football League on their team, which you'll take. And keep in mind, he was a Pro Bowl alternate for the Chiefs this year. He didn't play in the Pro Bowl, was uh, considered as a backup in case he needed to, he needed to fill in. Uh, for the AFC kicker, but uh, was not the case. Nonetheless, that's still something to, to be pretty proud of with a guy who's, you know, n- not born in the United States. So football wasn't a, a sport that he picked up early on in his life. Played soccer a lot in Brazil, and now here he is in the NFL, uh, doing a fantastic job with the Chiefs. And I think uh, this is a player that is, is going to need to come through for the Chiefs uh, more and more. You keep in mind this year. The Chiefs were involved in some uh, big close games, and when they couldn't get a touchdown and had to settle for three points, uh, Santos came through for the Chiefs. And of course, in some tight clutch situations, uh, considering some of the comebacks against the Carolina Panthers and the Denver Broncos in 2016, he really came through with those game-winning field goals, uh, especially that Denver one. A little bit of luck there, but hey, uh, if you get him, you get him, and that's all it really counts for. Uh, you know, in the stat sheet, it doesn't say whether or not it came off the uprise. Though I'm sure there's a website on Pro Football Focus or something similar that maybe shows how many field goals were made or missed uh, with uh, the the field goal post being involved in that situation. But nonetheless, he he's been making more of his field goals, one of the most in the NFL, in the top ten uh, the past two years. So you've got to take that and. Uh, he's an important part of this football team. I I know he's the kicker, and it's not the most exciting position in the sport, along with the punter, but uh, listen, it's part of the game. People always talk about offense and defense uh, as as the important fastest, but don't forget, special teams is a a huge part of it as well, and special teams has been big for Kansas City the past few years. Uh, Dustin Colquitt has been one of the better punters in the National Football League. Cairo Santos has really improved the past couple of years. His field goal percentage Rate has gone up each of the last three years, and uh, ever since Dave Tobe has has been here, uh, along with Andy Reid, the Chiefs have had a lot of su- successful return specialists. You had Niall Davis uh, for a little bit, Dexter McCluster, Quinton Demps even at one point had a kick return touchdown, and now we have Tyreek Hill, who's uh, kind of emerging as probably a guy who's going to be the next big return man in the National Football League. Uh, and, of course, the Chiefs have had a couple of big-name uh, big, big pardon me, big-name returners, guys like Dante Hall, uh, Vanover, a couple of great guys who have really brought a lot of excitement in the special teams unit, and Tyreek Hill might be that next guy. He's already been up there with Dante, Dante Hall for some of the records, and looks like he could be on, on, on pace to break a couple of Franchise records that Dante Hall holds and possibly some NFL records at the partner return position, which a couple of them held by Josh Cribbs, Dante Hall, 
Devin Hester, uh, those are some of the more notable kick returners in NFL history. And at the at the rate Tyree Tyree Hill is going, and as long as he can stay out of trouble off the field, which he has been able to do so far, and you've got to trust that he's going to continue to to do that. There's no reason to believe that he he could be one of the uh, best punters uh, or punt returners. In NFL history, by the time his career is over, so so special teams is really important. It's it's a facet of the game that doesn't get talked about as often, and understandably so. They are only there on fourth down or for extra points or for kickoffs, uh, so it's understandable why they don't get talked about as much. But uh, for the Chiefs, it has really come a long way the past few years, and it's good for the Chiefs to be able to retain Cairo Santos. All right, the NFL schedule is out, and, and look, let's just be honest. It, it's the most exciting time in the offseason other than the draft. It, it, it's the NFL schedule. You pretty much know uh, what, what your Sunday or, or Monday plans are. Hey, the Chiefs are on Monday night a couple of times. It's been a while since the Chiefs have had some Monday night football at Arrowhead, and they've actually got a pair of Monday night football games at Arrowhead, the Chiefs have a ton. I mentioned this at the beginning of the podcast. The Kansas City Chiefs have six primetime games, the most in the NFL. You would think that this award goes to the Patriots, the Steelers, the Seahawks, the team that's actually won championships and have been prominent. Look, that's not to bag on some of the teams that have been more successful than the Chiefs. But I think this really shows you how far the Chiefs have come. In Andy Reid's first year with the Chiefs in 2013, the Chiefs had only one primetime game scheduled, and that was against the Philadelphia Eagles. And of course, that was a big deal to the NFL because that was Andy Reid's return to Philadelphia. So that was the matchup that the NFL wanted to see. But the Chiefs won 9-0 that year, so they flexed the one of the Sunday night football games out for Kansas City and Denver to play. And I know that did not go Kansas City's way, but it, it was one of the most watched Sunday night football games in NFL history. And I don't know what it is, but anytime the Chiefs and Broncos play on Sunday night football, it, it, it's just good. It, it's always one of the better games that you see. Uh, the Chiefs and Broncos game, as I alluded to, from 2013, uh, great game. Uh, again, I understand from a Chiefs fan point, that, that did not go your way, and it was kind of a heartbreaker because you really wanted to beat the Denver Broncos, a team that got Peyton Manning uh, the offseason before when a lot of people thought the Chiefs would have been the favorable candidate. Uh, but, but it just didn't go their way, and Kansas City fell a little short in that game. Uh, of course, this past year, a pair of Chiefs games, uh, Chiefs and Broncos games on NBC for Sunday Night Football, uh, and they were also on, flexed to Sunday Night Football a couple of years ago, and they were also flexed in 2013. Uh, you guys may remember uh, there was the game after the 9-0 start, they were flexed to Sunday Night Football, but the Chiefs and Broncos met two weeks later, and they flexed it, not to Sunday Night Football, but but they flexed it to a 325 start because they still wanted a large part of the country to, to be able to watch that game. So I think CBS was unwilling to give it give up both meetings between the two, uh, although this past year they, they ended up doing so. And I don't think it's up to the networks as to 
what they will and will not show. Ultimately, that's the NFL's call right there. But nonetheless, the Chiefs uh, only had one scheduled primetime game in 2013, Andy Reid's first year. Here is Andy Reid now in his fifth year with the Chiefs. And the Chiefs have six primetime games, including the NFL kickoff on NBC on September the 7th for Thursday Night Football. On the road against New England, look, I mean, what a better challenge to have. You're on the road, you're playing the best football team that we've seen the past almost two decades. And look, it's an opportunity. I know a lot of Chiefs fans are scared about this. This is the second time the Chiefs have had to open their season on the road against New England. 2008 was the most recent time, which was a cluster of a season with Damon Heward being injured. Uh, Brody Croyle got injured in that opener against New England. Uh, but this time around, it's a whole different story. The Chiefs have one of the better defenses in the NFL and offense that... Yeah, there are some question marks, but at the end of the day, they still come through and find a way to win football games. But gosh, if you really want to make a statement, this is where you go. And I know a lot of Chiefs fans are scared, but the standpoint I have right now is go out there and, and, and make some noise. You know, Let people know that you're not a tomato team. Yeah, sure, they won 12 football games, but they were a one-and-done team in the playoffs. So go out there and prove that you will do better this year and start it off by beating the Patriots. Uh, I know the Chiefs lost at New England in the postseason a couple of years ago, so the Chiefs definitely want to go out there, avenge that loss, and show that, hey, we're for real. Let's give the Patriots an 0-1 start, and let's have the Chiefs start 1-0. And listen, I understand, that the narr- if the Chiefs do win that game, the narrative will be, oh my God, the Patriots, the reigning champions, are 0-1 instead of the Chiefs pulling off the upset. And rightfully so. we got to understand, too, that this is a game where the Chiefs are playing spoiler. So if the Chiefs win... The Chiefs are not going to get talked about as much. And look, the Patriots have been a powerhouse team. We have to accept the fact that this is going to be the case. Keep in mind, a lot of you guys listening are Kansas Jayhawks fans. So when the Jayhawks, keep in uh, it was, I think in 2013, was it that the Jayhawks lost three consecutive basketball games, which was the first time under Bill Self. And the narrative was not TCU pulled off a huge upset win over the Jayhawks. The narrative at the time was the Kansas Jayhawks lost three in a row. So you listen, as sports fans, we've got to understand what the narrative is and why. So there is no shame for the Chiefs to go out there and pull off the upset and the Patriots be the talk of the town. If anything, you should be proud of that because the Chiefs forced that topic to be a story. So there it is, the NFL opener on the road against the Patriots. Hey, look, I think if I hate anything about the uh, the NFL opener, it's that you see the two teams and it's not your team, so you have to wait an extra three days. You don't have to this time. The bad part about it, you have to wait 10 days before your team plays. Now, the following game at home, that is going to be against the Philadelphia Eagles. That is going to be a noon game. Uh, the San Diego Chargers, or pardon me, the Los Angeles Chargers, I should say. I've got to say, I, I, I chuckled for a second because on the schedule, I did see it said LAC, and I got that mixed up with Los Angeles Clippers uh, for a sl- split second. I did forget it was the 
Los Angeles Chargers. But yes, the LA Chargers, uh, the Chiefs will go on the road in week three and week four, which is the first game in October. And by the way, it is the first of five games in October, four of them on primetime television. So week four, the Chiefs will return to Arrowhead on Monday Night Football to play the Washington Redskins the following week. They will go with uh, only six days remaining. Will go to Houston to play the Texans on Sunday Night Football. Then the following week, they return to Arrowhead to play the Pittsburgh Steelers for the third time in two years. Uh, the Chiefs and Steelers will square off, and it'll be, of course, be the first uh, visit by the Steelers since the postseason loss for the Chiefs just this past offseason. So that'll be a regular broadcast game on CBS, but then the Chiefs have back-to-back primetime games. They've got a Thursday night game on the road at Oakland, and it's going to be on CBS, NFL Network, and Amazon Prime. This is kind of interesting. The Chiefs did this with Twitter, and now they're going to try it with Amazon Prime. And the Twitter view's got a, a lot of results and I think the NFL wants to try this even more and and expand with Amazon Prime now and see how things are going to go moving forward if they want to try with another website and at at some point see if they want to do like a pay-per-view sort of thing I know that's not a very popular subject and something that fans would not like but let's face it that's where that's the direction that I think the media is going to nowadays but that's a topic for another time After the Thursday night game at Oakland, the Chiefs will have plenty of time to prepare because it'll be a Monday night football game on ESPN against the Denver Broncos. So the the Chiefs and Broncos playing so many of the Sunday night games, this time they're going to play on Monday night football. It'll be the second Monday night football game in October and the only two Monday night football games the Chiefs will get both of them at Arrowhead Stadium. Aside from that, it is going to be Back to regular broadcast for a while at least. The Chiefs will visit the Dallas Cowboys uh, on November the 5th. And then there was a lot of rumors that I had posted this. Uh, and I and I had seen some things that I, I posted on uh, Facebook and Twitter. So I do apologize if you guys were misled or uh, saw some few things. It's funny that some of the uh, angry uh, comments I got from the two people about this, which uh, they, they don't deserve the attention. But anyway... Uh, there were a lot of rumors out there that the Chiefs and Cowboys were going to play on Thanksgiving. Look, who knows how these rumors started. Uh, it's possible that it was by a fan. Someone from the media decided to take that information and use it, and then that's when everyone else decided to use it. So uh, a lot of people thought that this was going to be a Thanksgiving game. Uh, instead, it's not. It's just going to be a regular Sunday game on November the 5th. Then the Chiefs have a bye week. In week 10, so kind of in the middle of the season, not too late, not too early, so kind of a good time to have your bye week after the first nine games. Then to close out the second half of the season, the Chiefs will visit the New York Giants on November the 19th, then they will play another team from New York, this time the Buffalo Bills on November the 26th. And by the way, the Chiefs will play another New York team. So for three weeks in a row, the Chiefs will play teams from the New York, New East Rutherford, New Jersey area. It'll be the Jets. So the Chiefs will actually be playing at Giants Stadium, uh, well, the Giants and Jets Stadium, 
twice a second consecutive road game that'll be at the exact same stadium. Uh, that will be on uh, Sunday, December the 3rd. Then the final four games, the Chiefs have a three-game homestand. First, it'll be against the Raiders for December the 10th. Then on a Saturday night football game against the Chargers, which will not be flexed out, so it'll remain on Saturday night football on NFL Network. Then the final home game of the regular season will be on Christmas Eve against the Miami Dolphins. And then to wrap up the season, the Chiefs and Broncos will play on New Year's Eve. And hey, who knows, that could be another game that gets flexed to Sunday night football. So uh, anything uh, in the months of November... And December, so starting with the Dallas Cowboys game on November the 5th, all the way through the end of the season, those games can be flexed by the NFL. What are my thoughts on the schedule? Look, you can't say too much about a schedule. Yeah, sure, maybe a team, like let's say the Steelers, I mean, they look like a threat, of course, but then as the time the season rolls on through the first five games, who knows? Maybe the Steelers might be a horrible team. They might be 1-4, and 0-5. Oh and, and then by the time Week 6 rolls around, it's not necessarily viewed as a, a competitive game. Not that you should take the Steelers lightly, but uh, the reason I say this is because the Chiefs have the second toughest schedule in the NFL. Uh, and there are a lot of tough games on the, uh, on the schedule. You've got a lot of powerhouse teams. Oh, and by the way, one thing worth noting, uh, as we discussed, Tony Romo, possibility that he would have came to Kansas City, which, of course, not the case. He's retiring and accepted a job with CBS. His first NFL broadcast will be the Chiefs and Cowboys game on November the 5th. So it'll be interesting to see Tony Romo's first game, and it's going to be a Chiefs and Cowboys game. And uh, we'll, we'll get to hear that. It'll be fun to see Tony Romo, especially a guy like him, who, out of all the analysts we have in the NFL right now, former players, I don't think any of them have been quarterbacks that have played in this heavy passing league era that we have now in the NFL. So it'll be interesting to see his take. Uh, not that I expect a big difference from some of the other quarterbacks who are analysts today. Uh, but I still think maybe even that part of it, that being part of this era of uh, that past crazy league that we have now, it's, it's like Madden all of a sudden. It's going to be fun to hear his side of things. So it'll be the first time he works for the NFL. But as far as the schedule goes, not a lot of AFC West games the first six weeks. But the primetime games, look, uh, here's the thing. Chiefs fans... In all of sports fans, they always beg for attention. Everyone wants to see the Chiefs get talked about. When the Chiefs started 3-0 in 2010 and were the last team to lose a football game, the media wasn't necessarily thrilled about it. It, it, it was not a very hot topic, and it's not something a lot of fans are, outside of Kansas City wanted to hear. And Chiefs fans were frustrated by that. And listen, I think you've got to understand that not it's not a market thing. I mean, Kansas City has been on the map uh, the past few years. I mean, there there have been all-star games here for major uh, Major League Baseball, Major League Soccer. Uh, other big events have come across Kansas City, of course. Big NCAA tournaments have come here. Most recently, you had the Sweet 16 and Elite Eight uh, a couple of times, as a matter of fact, at the Sprint Center. And they just announced that they're going to bring it back again to Kansas City. So Kansas City's been on the map. It's not a market thing, but when you haven't won as many playoff games as the as the Chiefs have had, 
you're just not going to get talked about as I, as a team. Uh, the 9-0 start in 2013, yeah, sure, the Chiefs get talked about there, but I think a lot of it was also criticism uh, to... I, I don't want to call it the easy schedule because it was not an easy schedule at first, but the Chiefs just had some luck their way because opposing teams had banged up quarterbacks and the Chiefs faced a lot of backups to start off the, that 2013 season to rebound after being the worst team in the NFL. So if you want to see your team just get talked about in a in a good light, this is the time to do it. Go beat New England. As I said, the narrative is not going to be the Chiefs pulled off a big win. The narrative is going to be New England lost to start off the NFL season. But the Chiefs can still twist that narrative. If they can go... 3-1 and one during that month of October when they have primetime games. Which, of course, as I'll remind you again, October the 2nd, Monday Night Football. October the 8th, Sunday Night Football against the Texans. The following week, it's a regular game against the Steelers on CBS. But after that, Thursday Night Football at Oakland and Monday Night Football at home against Denver. You've got four primetime games in the month of October if you can go 3-1 and one in those primetime games in October, going in, into November, which of course, as I've said before, November and December, I mean, that is when the intensity picks up, the playoff race start, starts to heat up. In November, yeah, it's two months early, but still, people forget, the NFL season is quick. People say it's a long season, it's not. It, it is not in the NFL, or in football in general. You only have 16 games. 16 is not a lot. Listen, as I record this podcast right now, the Royals are 7-7. Seven and seven. They're, uh, They've played 14 games, 15 by the time this podcast is out. 15 is, I mean, that's, that's very few compared to 162 in baseball. Whereas in the NFL, 15 games, I mean, that's that's your season right there. My point is, in baseball, you can get off to maybe an 0-4, 0-5 start and still be able to manage your way back into uh, the playoff picture. Whereas in football, yeah, I know, the Chiefs did start 1-5 a couple of years ago and went on this crazy surge to, to make the playoffs and win a playoff game. But let's be honest, more times than not, that... that, 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 that just doesn't happen it doesn't so it's really important that to start off the season and looking at the schedule I can't say I'm too threatened by the Philadelphia Eagles and keep in mind the Chiefs have been very good at home ever since Andy Reid's gotten here really the LA Chargers I mean they're still a team that they're looking for an identity as far as how they played the Chiefs yeah I mean Keenan Allen he had Kansas City's number is and his injury did play a role in Kansas City's comeback, but outside of that, I, I think this Kansas City team, especially this defense, they have the tools to beat a lot of great quarterbacks that the Chiefs are going to be going up against in 2017. And then you've got some challenging teams. I mean, look, the Texans. I understand that. I mean, they had they, they've won the AFC South the past couple of years, but not with the most exciting style of football. So when you when you look at that matchup, 
Is that a game where you feel like you definitely should not let go away? The Redskins, yeah, I mean they've they've got a great quarterback in Kirk Cousins, but that's not a that's still not a game you you want to let go, especially with your defense. I mean th- this Chiefs defense has been one of the best in the National Football League, maybe one of the I don't want to say underrated. And I don't want to say under the radar either because then then you're basically saying they're underrated. But I think they've just quietly been really good. And again, they're not underrated because a lot of these defensive players have been making it to the Pro Bowl. So it's not like these players are just completely forgotten about. But keep in mind, in 2014, Kansas City's worst loss of the season was by 16 points. And that was in Week 1 against the Titans, which I mentioned that game earlier on in this podcast. The Chiefs did not allow a team to score more than 30 points in 2014. In 2015, they weren't blown out a whole lot. 2016, the only time the defense just looked flat out awful was against the Steelers in that blowout loss in Week 4 on Sunday Night Football. So uh, this defense hasn't really hurt you a whole lot. The offense... This is an offense, and again, we'll, we'll we'll touch on that as we preview the draft, but this is an offense that I think needs to start rewarding the defense in these games and come away with uh, with some touchdowns and, rather than field goals or missed drives. And gosh, when I, look at, when I look at the schedule, yeah, sure. I mean, there are a lot of great quarterbacks here. Tom Brady, Phillip Rivers twice, Derek Carr twice, Ben Roethlisberger, Ryan Tannehill. Kirk Cousins, I mentioned him. Eli Manning, yeah. Yeah, I'll give it to him. He's won two Super Bowls. The crazy thing about him, he'll he'll have one horrible season one year. The following season, he'll be really great. And especially with his uh, group of receivers uh, with the Giants, uh, that's never something that uh, should be forgotten about. Dak Prescott, also worth mentioning. So the Chiefs have a lot of challenging quarterbacks and a lot of great offenses to play against this year. But keep in mind, this Chiefs defense has has been used to that. They've gone up against some of the best and have been able to hold their own. So I'm really excited to see this defense do it again. I, I, I'll be honest, I had some question marks last year. You guys know I was not too high on Marcus Peters going into 2017. I thought he was going to have a sophomore slump. Turned out to be the complete opposite. And this defense has really come through. And I think they're going to come through again this season, and with all these primetime games, I mean, holy cow, six primetime games? The the Chiefs have plenty of opportunities to go out there and showcase their talent. And can we please pretend like we don't care about the Pro Bowl? Because at the end of the day, when we see the Pro Bowl results for votes, every single person reads about it. Every single person wants to see their favorite players in the Pro Bowl. And primetime television always helps in terms of getting your players that spotlight and allowing them to get to the Pro Bowl. So uh, if the Chiefs have a very good season similar to this past year where they won 12 games or similar to 2013 when they started 9-0, there's a great chance that you're going to send probably eight or more players to, to the Pro Bowl. So it'll, it'll be fun to see this season. I'm looking forward to it. A, an exciting way to start the season you know, if you go out there and lose, then come back strong the following week. Put that behind you and hope you can avenge that loss in the postseason. If you win, great. 
Don't let it get to your head. Celebrate it for the 24-hour. There's always that 24-hour period where you sulk a loss or celebrate a win in football, but then you quickly go back and get ready for the following game. And and for the Chiefs, it's important that they keep their head on tight and uh, take advantage of not only a, a, a chance to show the world what you can do and surprise everybody, but also have plenty of time to prepare for your home opener against the Eagles in front of the Lotto Stadium in the NFL. Now, before I talk about the Chiefs draft and what I think they'll do in the first round, I do want to let you guys know that I will be going on Facebook Live. We did this for the playoffs. I know at halftime I had some technical issues, and that did not work out well. Uh, But after the playoff loss against the Steelers, I did go on Facebook Live, and we had a great turnout, a lot of interaction on the Facebook Live video. A lot of you guys were on there, had a nice back and forth. It lasted longer than I thought it was going to be, uh, which I was pretty impressed with, and I appreciate you guys doing that. We're going to do another Facebook Live during the draft, and I'll try to do it whenever the Chiefs are on the clock. Now, I'm going to be home a little late Uh, I'll be listening to the first couple of rounds on the radio, so hopefully I'll be able to do it in time uh, by the time the Chiefs are on the clock. Because what I want to do is, and I haven't decided yet, but I want to either go live as soon as the Chiefs are on the clock or go live right after the draft pick. So, haven't decided yet. I'm kind of leaning towards doing it right after the draft pick is made. So... If you guys want to stick around and do this again, because I had a lot of fun doing it last time, I will go live on Facebook right after the Chiefs make their selection. So keep in mind, facebook.com slash Farzian Give it a like. Uh, I will post a link to Twitter as soon as the draft pick happens. That way we can all be a part of it and everyone can know when to expect that to go uh, to go live. Now, as far as the draft itself... This is an interesting draft because I, I looked at mock drafts before I came on here, and it's kind of funny how the four quarterbacks that we have here, Mitch Trubinsky, Deshaun Watson, Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun uh, Kaiser, those are to- the top four quarterbacks in this draft class, and this entire offseason, people have said that Deshaun Watson could go number one overall to Cleveland. And some have said that he could go outside of the first round, even the second round. And some mock drafts throughout the offseason, you know, after the combine in private workouts, a lot of people thought that he was going to go somewhere in the first round. Some people had him going to Kansas City 27th overall. Some had him going in the top 10. Deshaun Watson has been all over the place. And I know he's the most exciting and wanted quarterback by teams that are looking for a quarterback this offseason. But man, I mean, he really is all over the map. And <laughs> I've got to say, I mean, of course, that's a player I want. You guys have heard me. For those who have been listening all offseason long, that's a quarter. That's a player I want. I just looked at, looked at the most recent draft, uh, a mock draft on NFL.com, and they've got multiple analysts on there, so you can get you know four different mock drafts in one website, uh, which is which is always nice. Of course, a variety is always good. But the five. Analysts on NFL.com's mock draft, 
two of them say Deshaun Watson will go number six overall to the Jets. One of them predict that he will go 26th overall to the Texans. And another uh, analyst, it's Charlie Casserly, says that he will go to the Chiefs 27th overall. The fourth, or, or pardon me, the fifth expert, they don't think he'll get drafted in the first round at all. I, I've just never seen, a, maybe 2013 was the last time I felt this way, but I've never seen a mock, so many mock drafts, so many different mock drafts. People just feeling so different about the talent pool. And I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. For Kansas City's case, you would think it's a good thing because that means there's a great chance that a quarterback will fall Twenty uh, by the time the, the Chiefs are on the clock, twenty seventh overall. But man, uh, here's my thing: you guys know I want Deshaun Watson, and I'm not saying Deshaun Kaiser would be bad nor Patrick Mahomes, but Watson, man. I mean, I've, I've said this all along, and I'll give you the Cliff Notes version of what I've said before. This guy just has a swagger. He's got the mentality of winning. In Clemson, he's he lost only two games by a combined six points. One of them was the national title game against Bama. The previous year, and then this past year, Clemson lost a game by one point. And the way they won that national title game to dethrone Alabama, the Crimson Tide, Nick Saban. I mean, that really made you feel good about the guy, especially his future in the NFL. And that's the kind of guy you want in Kansas City, especially the way he he ran the Clemson offense. And considering the offense that Andy Reid runs here in Kansas City, those two would be a perfect marriage. Now let's let's be open minded for a moment here. I know all of us want a quarterback, but let's let's look at the defense for a second. What what logic is there for the Chiefs to go defense in the first round? Secondary. Perhaps you could go with a corner to have someone opposite of Marcus Peters. You can never have enough cornerbacks in the NFL. And the Chiefs did have some good cornerbacks come through late in the season for the Chiefs. Steve Nelson, a very good nickel cornerback, also played the number two spot a few times last year for Kansas City. Terrence Mitchell joined the Chiefs late in the season, and he was a very good cornerback. defender against wide receivers. I I think his most notable game was against the Oakland Raiders on Thursday night football when the Chiefs only scored touchdowns in the second quarter, couldn't score again the rest of the game. But that defense really came through late in the game, especially in the fourth quarter when Mitchell was coming through with a lot of deflections to prevent the Raiders from connecting late in the game. So, cornerback, could I see that as a possibility? Look, uh, you can never have enough cornerbacks in this league, especially this pass-heavy league, which I alluded to earlier on the show. But I just don't think it's the biggest priority for the Chiefs right now. In the safety spot, I think the Chiefs are happy with Daniel Sorensen. He's really come a long way since he's come to Kansas City. Eric Berry, pretty self-explanatory. We don't need to get into the details of that. And Ron Parker, let's not forget about him. He's one of the more underrated safeties in the NFL. So Kansas City secondary, I don't see that as as an issue. I don't think the Chiefs will go with a cornerback nor safety. Defensive linemen, they're going to be getting back Jay Howard and Allen Bailey, which I think is, is, is very important to note. Yes, they lost on Tari Poe, but they do have Chris Howard, or pardon me, uh, Chris Jones, 
And this is a defensive line that I think went healthy. And if they can get through all 16 games, which uh, the, the possibility of that is low. Injuries are part of the game. This is a very good defensive line. Very good. Rakeem Nunes, Rochus, definitely a great role player last year. He came through strong when the Chiefs needed someone to step up when Allen Bailey and Jay Howard were injured last season. Chris Jones, as a rookie, was very impressive. Uh, the way he was able to push offensive tackles back and allow Justin Houston to get through and, and get to opposing quarterbacks. And let's keep in mind, Benny Logan coming in from Philadelphia. That, that's a huge pickup for Kansas City. So with what the Chiefs have up front with the defensive line, I don't see the Chiefs going with a defensive lineman in the first round. Linebackers? Okay, we, we can talk a little bit here. You've got Justin Houston and Tom Bahali, who have been some of the best pass rushers in the NFL. Arguably one of the best pass rushing duos since Andy Reid's got Actually, even before Andy Reid got here. I take that back. But Tom Mahali's, of course, getting a little older. Yes, he, he still goes out there and makes plays from time to time. But D. Ford really came through last year, who was voted as a Pro Bowl alternate. And this is someone who really made some noise last season for the first time in his NFL career. Yeah, sure, after that, he did kind of go on a quiet run. At one point, he did lead the NFL on sacks, and this was before Justin Houston returned. So you know that D. Ford's a guy that you want to rely on, and hopefully that wasn't some one-year wonder. Hopefully he can carry that over. Hopefully he can prove why the Chiefs were decided to draft him in 2014. I know he, the, the draft pick was not a very popular one that year, but... Maybe he can prove why this Chiefs uh, team has, uh, first of all, why they were high on him that year and why they've kept him around for so long. Obviously, they still have some sort of confidence in him if they've kept him around this long. I, I would not call him a draft bust. Keep in mind, he has been playing behind Pro Bowl linebackers. It's pretty hard to crack open, crack a starting spot on the roster when you're playing behind Pro Bowlers. And then when Justin Houston is not playing, when, when he was still recovering D Ford plays in his in his spot and guess what he goes out there and gets 11 sacks for you and led the NFL at one point so D Ford I, I think this, this guy showed that he he can play I mean this is a guy who can go out there and terrorize opposing quarterbacks and I'm pretty excited to see what this Chiefs unit will do with Houston, Holly, Ford, hopefully all, all three of them can be active. Given Holly's age, I think you're going to see Holly and Ford alternate a lot more this year and have Justin Houston on the other side. And that's going to be a very important factor for you in week one against the, against the Patriots. As far as interior linebackers go, there's a concern there. Derek Johnson has suffered an Achilles rupture for the second time in three years. Ray McWilson, DJ Alexander, those are guys who showed some flashes throughout 2016. Derek Johnson kind of took a step back in 2016, I thought, but still played very good as a linebacker. But, of course, suffering that injury, he's 34 years old. He'll turn 35 in November. You you, you have to ask uh, this question. I think it's a legitimate one. How much does he have left in the tank? Does he Do the Chiefs need uh, a big name linebacker to come in and play beside him to help keep this defense fresh. Keep in mind, the Chiefs were one of the worst defenses in the NFL in stopping the run. 26th, to be exact, in stopping the run last year. Now let's switch to the other side of the football, the offense. 
Now, the Chiefs were your average offense in 2016. 19th in passing and 15th in running with the football. And, of course, that was with Spencer Ware mostly. Chuck Hendrick West saw some playing time. Jamal Charles did see some action in the limited time he played in 2016. And now with the Chiefs moving on from Jamal Charles, you don't know who your primary running back is on this football team. Niall Davis also moving on. The Chiefs did not use him a whole lot last year on offense as much as I'd liked him to see him. Uh, he had shown some flashes, but uh, the Chiefs just saw more in Spencer Ware and Chark Kendrick West, guys who didn't necessarily deliver last year at the running back spot. So you kind of have to wonder, uh, is, is, is Kansas City's rushing attack, is that going to... Uh, is that going to help the Chiefs if the Chiefs draft someone early? So, the Chiefs could go for a running back this year. Quarterback, you guys know my thoughts on that. I, I'm not going to go into detail uh, too much. I'll go back to that in a moment. Offensive lineman? Yeah, I mean, look, uh, this is uh, this is an area where you can always use improvement. Uh, the offensive line position, you've got five of them. And... I do think the Chiefs have maybe an underrated and underappreciated offensive line. I remember when Laurent Duvernay-Tardif signed a contract extension, Chiefs fans went crazy. Part of it had to do do with the fact that Eric Berry had not received the contract yet. He ended up getting one a day later. Uh, But he's a very underrated guard in the NFL. He really is. Mitch Morse, the former Missouri Tiger, had a nice rookie start to the season. It has been kind of a mediocre to above average center for the Chiefs. Eric Fisher has gotten much better. It hasn't necessarily been talked about. It really hasn't. But Eric Fisher has shown a lot of improvement since his rookie year in the NFL. And keep in mind, he had to switch sides multiple times on the offensive line. Playing from left tackle to right to left. I, I mean, he, this guy's switched a lot of times in his career. And it's not the most ideal thing. I think overall the Chiefs are fine at the offensive line position. I could see them going for one in the second round to trying to add a little bit more muscle up front for the Chiefs to have, first of all, better pass protection and a better run blocking game. Wide receivers. This is an interesting one also. because And I'll include tight ends in this one. I think both Travis Kelsey and Demetrius Harris are good tight ends. These are tight ends that... Have a lot of speed, very physical, great pass blockers. Uh, Guys who aren't uh, afraid to go out there uh, and go down and dirty. Uh, Both very fast too, and that's something Alex Smith thrives with. Wide receivers? I don't know if you could ask for much more. You've got Jeremy Macklin, who's one of the better wide receivers in the National Football League. Albert Wilson is starting to come, come along in his own way. Chris Conley, he's got the tools, hasn't necessarily been that electric wide receiver that we had hoped to see, like his combine stats showed. There was a reason why he dropped to the third round, but he's he's still showing some flashes since he's gotten here. Tyreek Hill was a monster last year at the wide receiver spot when he was started to use or be used more on the offensive side. So the Chiefs have some players for the quarterback to go to, whether it's going to be Alex Smith or someone else. Which leads me to going back to the quarterback spot. And let me just say this about Alex Smith. Because I've been one of those guys. In Alex Smith's first year with the Chiefs, which also Andy Reid's first year, in 2013, he was sacked 39 times. That was the 11th most in the NFL. 2014, 
Gosh, that was hard to watch. Sacked 45 times. That was the fourth most in the NFL among any quarterback. And also, he did not throw a touchdown pass to a wide receiver. And people blamed Alex Smith for that. And that was not on Alex Smith. And I'll say this again. In week 16 against the Steelers that year, he threw a touchdown pass. Well, it wasn't a touchdown pass, but he threw threw a pass to Dwayne Bowe right to his hands in the end zone, and Bo drops it. The following week when Chase, people thought it was an Alex Smith issue. Okay, Chase Daniel goes out there, throws a dart to Dwayne Bo. All he has to do is run it to the end zone. He fumbles the football on his way there, and Travis Kelsey has to pick it up. And I still remember Travis Kelsey's reaction. One of the funniest reactions, he was upset because he wanted the wide receiver to get the touchdown. And that was essentially his rookie year because he didn't play much in 2013. But anyway, 2014... 45 sacks, no touchdowns to wide receivers. We made a lot of excuses for Alex Smith. We really did. We said, look, this is not fair to him. His offensive line is not helping him. His wide receivers are not helping him. No one can succeed like this. And I think those are valid points. I don't care. If you put Tom Brady on this team, sure, he might have slightly better numbers and have more touchdown passes to wide receivers, but I don't think it'd be different by a whole lot. I truly don't. 2015, sacked 45 times again. Second year in a row, sacked exactly the same amount of times, 45. This time, though, it was the third most. The previous year was the fourth most. This time, it was the third most in the NFL. 2016, Alex Smith was sacked 28 times. That was the 19th most. Now, of course, the Chiefs did improve their offensive line, and I didn't mention Mitchell Schwartz, who was brought in from Cleveland, one of the better right tackles in the NFL. And Parker Anniger, hopefully he can come back and have a better season. Of course, we saw just uh, very little of him during his rookie campaign. And also, you keep in mind the 28 sacks. Uh, you have to credit that to Alex Smith missing one and a half games. Uh, but even then, I, even if he did play all 16 games from start to finish, uh, I, I don't think that that number would be any higher than what it is. Now, maybe 31, 32 times. Uh, which would be right in the middle of the pack. So nothing terrible, really, especially for a quarterback that would play all 16 games. So overall, this is a a team that, you know, with the quarterback situation in Alex Smith, we made a lot of excuses for him in 2014. Offensive line was awful. Wide receivers weren't helping out. Travis Kelsey and Jamal Charles. Kelsey, who was essentially a rookie, and Jamal Charles was your running back. Those were your most reliable pass catchers. And I get it. The running backs on Andy Reid's offenses, they, they, they tend to play a lot out of the backfield. They really do. In the passing game. And the, the thing is, though, you don't want that to be your major source of, of income in the passing game. But that's what it was for Kansas City that year. And Travis Kelsey being a rookie, essentially. I mean, he was your most reliable pass catcher that didn't play running back. Now you've got Travis Kelsey, who's a veteran, has been in the league for a couple of years. One of the better the tight ends in the end, easily a top five tight end today. Jeremy Macklin, he's very good, especially when he's got a quarterback he can connect with. The backfield, you don't have that big threat like you did with Jamal Charles. The Chiefs parted ways with him, and maybe you look for one in the draft. Who knows? 
But at the end of the day, when Alex Smith, in the 14 and a half games he played, he threw 15 touchdowns and 8 interceptions. And in the postseason game against Pittsburgh, there were plenty of missed opportunities and you just could not connect with your wide open players. And Alex Smith was too caught up looking elsewhere or focusing too much on the pressure and he missed wide open players, which just about every quarterback in the league today would have connected with Tyree Kill for an easy touchdown to have a bigger lead against Pittsburgh. So let's go over this. The weaknesses I mentioned, the run defense, ranked 26 last year, no big-name running back on the team. The offensive line, yeah, could use a little bit of muscle. And your quarterbacks. So th- this is the Chiefs in a nutshell. Now, has the lack of stopping the run, has that hurt the Chiefs much? I don't think so. Don't get me wrong. It does need to be improved. I, you've got to upgrade there. And I, I'm sure the Chiefs are going to try to look for one. Maybe in the second round, if they don't go for a, a linebacker early, maybe in the second round they try to address that spot to have someone aside Derek Johnson. Maybe they believe in Ramick Wilson to have a much better year and be better prepared to, to be a starting inside linebacker in the NFL. Offensively, you've got to step that offense up. This defense put you in position to win a lot of games last year. The offense cannot say the same thing. The offense did not put the Chiefs in position to win against the Carolina Panthers. The offense, yeah, sure, they came and rallied in a couple of games against Denver and in San Diego, but they did it when the defense did their job for four quarters and the offense only did their job for one quarter late in the game. So you, you want to have an offense that can also be in line with the defense and play four full quarters of great Chiefs football. I know the Browns, the Jets, and Texans, all who picked before the Chiefs, the Browns twice, they all need quarterbacks. And there's a good chance that there will only be one of those four big-name quarterbacks entering this draft that will be available by the time the Chiefs pick. And I don't think that one quarterback will be Deshaun Watson. If Deshaun Watson is available by the time... The Titans are on the clock with the 18th pick. I think the Chiefs have to absolutely strike a deal with the Titans. The Titans also have two first-round draft picks, so you could try to convince him to have another draft pick later in the in the first round and then give them, if Deshaun Watson is there, give them another uh, draft, uh, early draft pick, a second or a third, maybe throw in a seventh-round pick so they can have something else to work with for the later rounds to bolster whatever they want to improve on. Overall, though, I don't think Deshaun Watson will be available by the time uh, the Titans are on the clock with the 18th pick. I just don't see that, and I don't think there's a reasonable scenario as to how the Chiefs could trade up to the top 10. I'd love to see them do that and pull pull Deshaun Watson off the board and bring him to Kansas City. Realistically, I just don't see that happening uh, if I had to put down money on what I think will happen, I think the Chiefs will remain with the 27th pick in the draft. And I think it's going to be Patrick Mahomes. I, I think Patrick Mahomes will be uh, coming to Kansas City, and that is a quarterback 
of the future, hopefully, for Kansas City. The Chiefs desperately need one. They haven't had one in a long time, at least a, a guy that they drafted and developed on their own. Uh, they tried that with Brody Croyle most recently. You haven't really had many opportunities to do that with anyone else. I know Tyler Thickpin, after his uh, rookie year cut by the, the Vikings, uh, wasn't given an opportunity there, but he came to Kansas City. So I, I, I'd like to think that the the Chiefs could trade up and, and get one, but I think they're going to end up with Patrick Mahomes, uh, and hopefully uh, he can prove to be a better quarterback than Deshaun Watson. Who knows? Uh, I, I think Watson's going to have the much better career, but I think given with what you have on your offense, I think Mahomes could certainly succeed with this Chiefs team. So I think it's definitely going to be a quarterback for Kansas City. I think if you get a quarterback, you can maybe... If you could go back in time with that quarterback that you end up drafting, I think you could definitely erase those losses against Tampa Bay and Tennessee that you had in 2016. So I think the Chiefs are definitely going to go to the quarterback realistically. I think they stay at the, at 27. I don't think they'll be able to trade up unless uh, it's the 18th pick and it's Tennessee's turn and they can try to pull off uh, some sort of a trade to move up and get Deshaun Watson. But realistically, I just think it's going to be Patrick Mahomes. Let me know what you guys think. Facebook.com slash Farzine Vesugian. Twitter.com slash Farzine21. Or at Farzine21. Uh, like my page. Follow me on Twitter. Let me know what you guys think about this. Do you guys agree? Disagree? Let's talk about it. Keep in mind, I will be on Facebook Live right after the Chiefs make their pick in the first round. And we'll talk about it live on Facebook. So be sure you guys are there to be part of the discussion. Facebook.com slash Farzim Vesugian. Let's go around the NFL. All right, I'm sure you guys have seen this. The New England Patriots visited President Donald Trump at the White House, uh, which is something sports teams do when they win a national title. And there's the picture comparison when the Patriots visited the White House two years ago compared to now, and the group picture is very small. And Tom Brady, who has notably been one of the uh, one of the more notable Donald Trump supporters, wasn't even at the White House. And I remember there was a cringeworthy moment where Donald Trump was alluding to Danny Amendola's big catch in the game, and he turns around and says, where's Dan? And Danny Amendola isn't even there. Barack Obama received a helmet, a Patriots helmet, with signatures all over from every single player on the team. Donald Trump did it. He just got a helmet, no signatures at all. And players have talked about this. They're not too happy with it. Some of them are still very upset with the locker room comments he made uh, back, I think this was around August when he and Hillary were still running for president going up uh, in debates uh, he was he was trying to justify his sexual harassment comments and uh, only turned out to be worse for him well uh, publicly at least I, I know it didn't hurt him in the polls but still I mean uh, that, that publicity definitely uh, to, uh, the players did not take it w very well and, and rightfully so but a lot of players they spoke publicly on this as to why they did not go uh, a lot of players omitted uh, on going. And look, good for them for, for standing by. A lot of people said, look, this is the White House. This is the president. You do not skip an opportunity to, to go to the White House. And I agree. It's, it's a very special occasion. No matter how many times you go, 
but good for these Patriots players for standing up for what they believe in and not giving in and going just because this is a tradition for for sports teams in the United States. So uh, I I think that that really tells you about our, our situation. Again, not to get too political because this is not what this podcast is about, but I think it tells you, uh, you know, as, uh, with some of our players, and again, Tom Brady, who's been a notable Trump supporter, I think it tells you what you need to know. Speaking of the Patriots, some tragic news uh, regarding Aaron Hernandez committed suicide behind bars. He reportedly had hung himself, wrote a Bible verse on himself uh, before doing so, talked to his fiance as well. And look, this could be a penalty flag, I guess. But man, I'm seeing so many people making jokes about the situation. I, I understand if you don't have emotion for what he did because of what he's done previously, even though he was found not guilty. But that doesn't mean you make fun of the situation or, or make laugh. If he had tripped and hit his head somewhere and got a concussion, yeah, sure, m- make joke about it. Fine, you know, nothing terrible, nothing terrible happened. But you know, keep in mind he does have a four-year-old daughter who's gonna have to live with this the rest of her life you know her, her dad was involved in a very bad act ended up behind bars and then killed himself i mean that's what she has to live with for the rest of her life uh and uh that, that, that's not an easy thing to deal with and people are saying oh she's four listen some of you guys know i'm from iran it, it, my my parents and my brother and i are the only ones who are in the united states out of everyone else in our family but even though i'm not as close to the rest of my family because of the language barrier no, that doesn't mean I, I don't get sad when something happens. Now, we've had a couple of deaths in the family the past couple of years, and, uh, you know, at the end of the day, it's still family. Even though I barely knew any of them, uh, you just don't ever want to see that with your family, or regardless how good or bad you were or how close or not close you were to them. At the end of the day, when, when you lose a family member, um, especially the way this four-year-old girl did with, with her dad, Aaron Hernandez, uh, it's just not an easy thing to take, and I think it's a shame that people tried to make light of it and, and, and made jokes about the situation. I, you just do not make jokes about that at all. Let's go out of bounds. Alright, I did go to UFC Kansas City last week. You guys know how excited I was for this. I've got to say, great turnout. I know the ratings weren't great with these Fox cards and Demetrius Johnson, not necessarily a big draw, but uh, it was a great event. It really was. Anyone who saw this loved the quality of this event. If it were to be rerun on television, which it has been on FS1, I think fans should definitely take advantage and watch this. And I think some have if they miss it because of how great of an event it was. And good for Kansas City. Strong turnout. It was the uh, highest grossing sporting event in Sprint Center history with just more, just a little over 12,000 fans. Keep in mind... The Sprint Center gets big, the Big 12 tournaments, in, uh, including the championship game, and the UFC with a crowd of 12,000 broke the Big 12, all the Big 12 championships that we've had at the Sprint Center. That's pretty impressive. And, of course, Dana White and the UFC love that, and they're definitely going to bring the UFC back. There was a big turnout for uh, weigh-ins at the uh, Power and Light District and a loud reaction, too. I mean, the, the, the UFC fans in Kansas City... They showed up, and I think Dana White has to be impressed, and the UFC brass has to bring the UFC back here for a pay-per-view event sometime within the next two or three years. That would be a reasonable expectation for sure. I know the NBA playoffs are not necessarily a big deal here in Kansas City, especially when there aren't any NBA teams. I know the KU players, when they move on, we're happy for them, but 
they still don't get a lot of coverage, but man, there have been some exciting NBA playoff games. The Houston Rockets Wednesday night had a big come from behind win. LeBron James proves once again why he's so great and fun to watch. Thursday evening when the Cavaliers, I believe it was a 25-point deficit they came back from behind and won that game. The NBA playoffs have been fun to watch. I know the NBA playoffs get a lot of criticism because of how long they really are, which, which it can be tedious at times, but there are a lot of great games. Uh, it is just hard to keep up with. You have eight teams from each conference and... and uh, so many games happening on at once, it is hard to keep up with, especially in a market when the NBA just isn't as popular. It really isn't. One last thing I want to talk about before we throw our penalty flags, the BBC dad, the guy whose kid walked in and the, the wife w- was in a crazy hurry to get her uh, g- get the kid out of the room and the dad was clearly embarrassed. They're getting their own cartoon series. Just shows you how a television blooper like that can result into just free money like that. The the father was humiliated, but then it just turned into positive publicity for him. I mean, everyone just found it cute and funny. Uh, He may have not at the moment, but it just turned out to be good for him. So, uh, good for this family. Uh, Just shows you that something small like that can go viral and can can go big for you. And uh, for this family... Uh, the kid did what he did and the mother not paying attention ended up being the jackpot. So good for this family. Time to throw my penalty flags. All right, gosh, talk about, uh, being lonely, not being able to find love. A medical student, quote unquote, married her doctorate degree. No, seriously. A medical student married her doctorate degree. I'm kind of I'm kind of wondering how many dates that this girl was ever asked out on. I mean, I get it. Some girls may not be as outgoing. They're a little shy. But gosh, I mean, you have to either just not be talkative at all. Or maybe you're just really mean to every guy you've ever come across. To the point where guys say, all right, no one's ever going to ask you out. No one wants to ask you out. So she ended up marrying her doctorate degree. And maybe she's in love with her career. I think people should. Uh, And and maybe that's the case. But come on. Uh, You've got to admit, that is a little ridiculous. All right, I'm throwing a flag on Deshaun Kaiser. And I don't want this to hurt his draft stock or his chances to come to Kansas City. But... He said, I can be the greatest QB to ever play. That's too soon for a guy who hasn't even been drafted yet. I mean, you're really making these premature assumptions that you can be the best ever when you haven't even played it down in the NFL. There have been a lot of great quarterbacks, or I don't want to say great quarterbacks, well, great quarterbacks from college who have been expected to do well and have not done, they did poorly. Look at Glenn Dorsey, who was supposedly the best defensive player in 15 years to enter the NFL uh, at the time in 2008, according to Mel Kuyper. And what did he? What has he done in the NFL? Do, do people even know where he is right now? I, last I checked, it was San Francisco. Might still be there. I don't know. Yeah, guilty as charged. I don't know where he is. But come on, you 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 cannot make such an assumption. Sure, look, I love the optimism. I, maybe 
a reporter just asked a really bad question and that's the answer he ended up giving, but you could still try to avoid giving that kind of an answer. You don't want to come off as too egotistical. Because teams, I think, even look at that and think, man, should, should we even draft this guy? Is he really full of himself? Who knows? That'll do it for this edition of the Chief Zone Podcast. The final Chief Zone Podcast we're doing before the NFL Draft. Keep in mind, facebook.com slash Vasugan. I will go live immediately after the Chiefs have made their selection in the draft. So if they trade up, hopefully I'll be home in time. Like I said, I'm going to be on the road for the first couple of picks. But hopefully by the time I get home, uh, the Chiefs, once they've picked, if they did trade up, uh, we will go live whenever they do make their selection. And uh, we'll talk about it on Facebook Live. I'll try to get a short podcast out. There won't be the uh, closing segments like we have. It'll strictly just be a podcast recapping the first round for the Chiefs. So we'll talk about that as well. So keep an eye on that for next week on the podcast section. Again, give my Facebook page a like, facebook.com slash Farzimasugin. Follow me on Twitter at Farzine21. Check out my website, farzimasugin.com, and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Please share this episode on social media with your friends. I'm Farzim Vasugian. That'll do it for this edition of the Chiefs Zone Podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. I'll talk to you next week. We'll talk about the newest Chiefs player from the draft.